welcome all my mishpoche, welcome all my people who, my, my probably one listener, whoever you are, my one person that listens is thank you, hey, you know what, actually, what am I saying, one listener as of like 2021, let's be real, you are probably a family member of mine, because uh, I, I want this to be just that part of Zev that can live on when I'm not on earth anymore. And if you're listening and you're a member of, you know, I don't know if my last name is going to still be Weisdorf, but if you are a descendant, thank you for just living through me digitally here on this platform. Wow, this is special. Uh, anyways, I am so scared of marriage. Petrified. Like, to the point where I'm like, hey, fuck it. I'm not even going to get married. Who cares? And I decided to read a book on it because uh, that's what you got to do. You got to fear, confront it, and enjoy. Let's get right into this. We are getting right back into chapter five. This, it starts off saying that the best couples work together on issues with one another, not separately. Boom. Next point. Communication apparently becomes a greater concern for couples over time. This is, again, according to this 90s book. And that is a shocker to me. Don't rush to find solutions, people. Uh, here it says, because it was a book based around Judaism, it says Jews rush a lot and must slow down to solve some of these challenges you and your partner face. Now, let's replace that word with just regular people. A lot of people are busy and they rush a lot. So you, it's saying just slow down if you're busy to actually deal with these problems. If you're rushing, it's hard to deal with these problems. They're saying conflict avoidance is a great way to screw up relationships. So if you're looking to do that, just avoid the conflict. And then they just reassure you saying it hurts to address things head on, but you have to do it. And if I'm saying things that you're like, I knew that, Zev, I knew that. Well, good. And then second, it's important to touch on things you already knew. Otherwise, you'll forget about them because what you think about, you focus on. So let's just keep you thinking about good things. Instead of saying, you're such a blank, try, try saying, when you do X in situation Y, I feel Z. Okay, so if we filled in the blanks, when, uh, I gotta do some improv here. When you make fun of me, during family dinner, I feel crappy versus you are such a dick. There, that'd be, those are two ways to, and so you want to go with the first one. Uh, that way you have some more information or like if you're saying when you do X in situation Y, I feel Z, you're giving your partner more information. This way nobody feels attacked and it's not too personal. So this book loves to use these schmaltzy sit down create an agenda things and this is saying problem solution is critical i agree um so if you see a problem is popping up in a relationship in your life and remember when i say relationship like yes this is a marriage book but this could work with your friendships to be honest or if you live with a family member just saying so anyways if you see common problems popping up it says to brainstorm ideas with that person on how to fix it and they say to have fun with it is kind of funny like how is that fun but anyways and then you start to look at what you agree on, what you can compromise on. You just have a conversation and then keep following up to see if things are going well with these solutions. That just sounds so unrealistic though. Like, don't get me wrong. If I was desperate and I'm like, okay, nothing's working. I really want this relationship to work. Like, sure, you'll do it. But that's like last solution. I wouldn't, that just sounds kind of 
brutal. Like sit down and be like, all right, let's write down these solutions to these problems versus just having a random conversation about it or going on a walk and talking about it. I didn't mention this, but the book does a lot of fake conversations. So like after that, it talks about, it puts together a fake conversation on what that would look like, what it would sound like. And it was kind of, it was really helpful actually. And every chapter did this multiple times, like fake conversations so you could see what it sounded like when people applied this stuff. And yeah, it, it helped put it together, paint a picture. Now this exercise they told us about here is awesome. I love this. There's a list of topics. So I'll just fire some of these out. Money, recreation, communication, career, jealousy, drugs, the in-laws, sex, children, friends, religion, and even housework. You can put in any other thing you want that affects the, the relationship or is a part of your life. You then rate these things on a scale of one to a hundred and you see what's really important to you and your partner. And this way you won't fight over things that don't matter at all. So if for you guys, your careers don't matter, you just do jobs you don't care about, th then you both know like, okay, there's no need to fight over a career, which I don't know, I guess, I guess saying this out loud now, to be honest, if you guys didn't even care about things in general, you don't have to mark it down that you don't care because uh, you're not going to talk about it anyways. However, I could see this happening. Like, let's say two things are almost side by side. So let's say drugs, sex, and children are up there. Like, let's say you rank children as 95. Let's say sex is like a 90 because um, a good sex life is important people in a relationship. And drugs, let's say, is like 80. But then let's say you start arguing about you know, your alcohol intake and your partner doesn't like that. You can at least go back and be like, okay, is this a priority right now? Like, are the kids good? Is our sex life good? I don't know. And then you can go through this list. But if something's at the very bottom, obviously you're not going to talk about it. You know what I mean? I hope I framed that right. Whereas the stuff that is important, but you, you're arguing about something that's kind of maybe even a 50. Like, let's say then religion's a 50. But yeah drugs is up there higher and so let's say you get in an argument about religion and you're like okay hey you and i both know this isn't that important to us and this book recommends that's a way to not argue over stupid shit but you tell me i don't know chapter six kicks it off with taking a timeout take a timeout if the argument is not simmering down and it says though don't rely on this too much because it could be a way to avoid its coping Oh my God, we all know people that will do this. It's horrible, is do not agree to a solution just to get out of an argument. I don't know you guys, have you guys ever been in conversations where you can tell this person doesn't give a fuck, so, so they're just saying like, yeah, 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 or <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just agreeing, they're just saying, yeah, I get it. Or yeah, yeah, I totally, I agree. And you're like, no, 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 I can see through the line. Tell me how you really feel. Yeah, so they're saying don't be that guy. This is a great tip, people, which is be careful when you time your conflict discussion. I hate that they use the word conflict discussion. Just say argument. Anyways, don't argue over dinner or before dinner, or before bedtime. Just and, and be careful. Like if someone gets home from work and you know they work a stressful job, do not argue with them after work. It's not, not a good time. And it's okay to say that too. Be like, it's not a good time for me. If a person doesn't respect that, then that's a red flag get out they mentioned don't use that as a fallback that you should be honest when saying it's not the time like yeah a, a big tip here is make couple meetings a weekly ritual and i couldn't agree more with that i will definitely be doing that one day when i'm married even if it's five minutes like put the timer on for five minutes to be like okay our little checklist are we good we're not fucking up our children's lives we're not fucking up our lives okay sweet see ya let's keep moving on also make having fun a planned ritual I think everyone, despite marriage, should be doing that. Is definitely make that a ritual. 
it's easier to do that when you're part of a club, like part of some crew. And, you know, let's say you go to the Junction, which is a rock climbing gym in London. That'd be awesome. That'd be a ritual of fun. Never make another person feel like they're walking on eggshells. And if you feel that way, that is a red flag. That's how they concluded that chapter. Let's move on into chapter seven. And it kicks it off. Know the difference between these two things. A normal, regular event. They call an event like, you know, some just kvetching because someone didn't wash the sink out or something versus something you actually have to use strategies to work through and that would be like a person saying like i um i don't know see i'm the worst at even thinking of these examples i'm thinking like i feel disrespected but that's a terrible example you wouldn't work through that to work through oh i know you feel that someone's parents don't like you like your partner's parents really hate you that might be an issue you have to work through with the person. It's not just an event like the sink not getting cleaned out. And like I say, keep, if you're not married, I'm not, just start thinking about the relationships you have already, your friends and people you live with, maybe family or roommate. Now that roommate part, be very careful. Don't apply like any of this to that. Maybe one or two. You're not going to sit a roommate down and start, <laughs> oh, hey, that'd be horrible. Just start being like, hey, okay, it's time for a weekly meeting to like, you know, talk about how we're going to be living together nicely like that's just that's actually creepy as fuck no no. for people you live with family members or um yeah friends uh and partners (laughs) now what i just mentioned so about events and things to work through and the difference also be careful the the book didn't say this but i just want to say like be careful because events can turn into things you have to work through okay the little things can end up flashing a light on the freaky insecurities that cause big issues so be careful there because someone could say hey just wash out the sink and then someone takes that and be like oh fuck i'm unproductive and i have a fear of being unproductive and so instead i'm just gonna get angry because i'm angry with myself but i'm just gonna get angry at them because i'm projecting that inner anger and like that can cause an issue that then you have to work through with your partners like okay let's work through that insecurity together but it all started from just saying you need to clean the sink more or something i don't know The book has a term for this and it's called a hidden issue, a hidden issue. This right here, I can't believe I didn't know about this before I read this book. And apparently it's common sense to a lot of people. So if it is for you, my apologies. Majority of your issues with a partner is because of lack of power and control. Boom, mic drop. Literally think of anything you argue argue about. It will come down to some lack of control or power. well, not every, again, majority of issues. I hate painting things with a broad brush. Majority of those issues, you know, somebody, somebody is leaving lights on. Somebody's leaving dishes out. Somebody, um, the parents don't like you of your partner. These are things you have no control over. So you get upset because you need this control. You want this power. It's so interesting. Just start thinking of things people get upset about. Um, you're late for this. You're late for that. Like these are things the person has no control over you. So they get upset about it. Now, when you go deeper and ask yourself, like, why do I want that control? And think of trying to gain control over our parents and think of the reasons they tried to gain control over us when we were teenagers and, and, and living at home, like right there, most of that interaction was control and power. But again, just go deeper. Why did you want that control and power? I don't know. In your life, was there a void of that at one point? Were things unpredictable when you were younger? Is it innate in us as human beings? Do we just want control and power? I don't know. Is that an innate thing for survival? You tell me. But regardless, there's something driving that. It's a void. I don't know. And just spitballing here because I like to just get my thoughts out on this thing. 
we we need to strip all that <laughs> like we need to just sit back relax let people have the power and be content with that just be okay with that um don't abuse yourself don't let people abuse you be healthy but i'm just saying over little things like in the end you were the last line of defense in regards to your happiness um, in a book let it go by david hawkins they talk about this and it has stuck with me ever since two years ago the beginning of covid like let's take dishes someone you don't have control over someone to piss you off because they leave dishes out and you can't stop that you have a few options you either compromise because you want to live with them you either leave the house completely boom you've eliminated that problem or you do it yourself and you gain joy out of just doing it yourself because now you solve the problem like those are really your three options and in the power of now what was it it was like i forget now it was something like change it accept it everything else is madness something like that um yeah it's so true a guy, he's a psychologist named Stephen Beach. He found that in distressed relationships, people are threatened by their partner's successes. However, in healthy ones, they take pride in each other's uh, successes. Take notes. When this psychologist went deeper, he says that in that distressed relationship, maybe the person was already feeling threatened and that that act, act of success, it actually looked like an alternative form for them being too good for the other person and potentially leaving one day. And so really, once again, that's a projection of a fear that is that person being scared of being alone that person not being good enough for their partner because their partner is more successful and they're literally getting angry and it's causing a distressed relationship because they, they don't know how to articulate this and to, to god forbid they admitted some of these vulnerabilities but and so it, it leaks out elsewhere you can't avoid this shit people like if you bottle things and deflect things it will seep out elsewhere it's like patching a boat it will leak there's a term in the book, spinning their wheels. This is when couples have the same issues popping up all the time. And this is a sign, according to the book, that you need to dig into your childhood. Maybe do a little inner child healing. Now, I put in brackets here, I personally believe it's not a good relationship at that point if you are spinning your wheels. It's true. It's time to reevaluate. Unless you're already married, then you got to get that therapist in the picture and work through it. That's another side note. I don't know if I mentioned it last podcast. Get a therapist if you're in a, in a relationship, like marriage. marriage. I, I wouldn't ball out on a therapist for a girlfriend. But if you're married and you want that shit to work because kids are in the picture, you already know it's in my budget to get a couple therapist, a marriage therapist, a yeah, a couple's therapist. Ball out because it is so much cheaper than divorce and pain to spend that money on bi-weekly therapy or whatever. Same with there's a saying, a f um, bouquet of flowers once a week is cheaper than divorce. And that's true. So legit, I will have that in my budget, those things in my budget when I'm older. And the analogy I always use is like, get that therapy early. It's like someone preventing a back injury with, with um, correctives and prehab. You don't want to hurt your back and then go and try and fix it. It's kind of too late at that point. Like you might already have that underlying injury. It's no different metaphorically speaking save your back in a, in a marriage before you break it um and go get that that work done ahead of time so you prevent divorce or something nasty whenever shit hits the fan in a marriage and then they go look for the therapist like it, don't get me wrong it can patch things up can save things but things will never be the same it's no different than an injury things will just never be the same if you've hurt something really badly no matter the physio you do if something minuscule leads to an argument it's a hidden issue 
And it's never about that thing. Also, never keep score, ever. Bad idea. If you guys don't understand what keeping score is, it's when you keep tabs on each other. You're like, well, you did that the other day. Yeah, and then they go, yeah, but you did that the other day. Like, that's so toxic. Get the fuck out of that relationship if you're doing that. And then this book is so classic. Like, it's actually getting annoying now, to be honest. It's like, to deal with hidden issues, resort to past exploration and find a common solution. Like, they love to throw in that spectacular on just these buzzwords, and it's like making a game plan. Yeah, we already talked about this. Hidden issues, go to your childhood. And by the way, you don't just jump right back to your childhood, because a lot of that's just good times. Well, actually, sorry, that's, oh my god, I just caught myself being so privileged. Yeah, everyone had a good child. No, no, okay, some people had super traumatic childhoods. Like, I, that was, I wish I could cut that out. I'm so sorry for anyone I offended. Um, what I'm saying is if you go back to your childhood and you can't pinpoint exactly what it was that made you insecure and fearful in the way you are now, start with just a few years ago, then go like a decade ago, then keep going. But you got to start with like, oh, where did that come from? So let's say, okay, for example, for example, um... I have, I can't think of one. Let's say somebody is super insecure. We'll go with the productivity again. And they're like, I don't know how my childhood stirred that up. And then they're like, okay, so let's see. Like I, in school, I always was doing stuff. Okay. Um, uh, my parents made me do my homework all the time. Oh, my parents got mad at me when I wouldn't do my homework. Oh, I got rewarded when I did. Okay. 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 So then. I worked really hard and got that job. Oh, I see. So I was taught early on in my childhood that if I didn't get good grades, then I was a failure. Oh, so I worked and, and that kept helping me out. So when I got older, um, when I didn't work hard, I felt like I was going to be a failure. And so I can't relax. I can't, I have to be productive. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of, that's the example. Chapter eight, let's get into this and it kicks it off. I love this expectations. Okay. If they're too low, you're not going to enjoy a relationship. You'll just get bored. If they're too high, you're going to get disappointed with the relationship. That is awesome. Expectations legit define our lives. Uh, the other, was I talking about it on the podcast? Oh, I was with Scott. Go to Scott's podcast. You'll hear me. I was talking about this girl that I really liked. I went on a date with her and I had set the expectations way too high. My fantasies, my imaginations around that. I thought we were going to click so well because I just fantasized that like, oh, we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to click so well, we're going to get along and it didn't happen. Uh, Not at all. Like I was like, I was surprised. I'm like, oh, I can't talk about this stuff with her. When I say this stuff, I mean like deeper things. Just like, hey, like I always like to ask people like, what's something, what's a burning desire? You know, but some people are weirded out and they're like, oh my God, this guy is like getting so deep disclaimer this wasn't the first time we met and i can't believe i'm justifying on this thing but i don't want you guys to identify me as something i don't identify with so i'm going to justify here which is it wasn't the first time we talked we talked for months it's so it's not like trust me i work in an industry where i schmooze every day with people i meet people new all the time and i know with social intelligence you don't just fire into people on like the deepest shit right away okay yeah, there you go. God, now you guys know an insecurity of mine, which is being a deep motherfucker on the first date. There's an insecurity. Boom. Unlocked. And I'm, I'm not afraid to say it, too. I always loved this, actually. I was with um, an old friend. I used to do this all the time. I'd, like, text the person. I'd be like, insecurity unlocked. And, and they'd get all fired up. They'd be like, oh, my God, what is it now? <laughs> it sounds so silly. 
but seriously like it's okay to be like oh i didn't even know i was insecure about that anytime you justify something to somebody that's typically because you didn't necessarily realize you were insecure about something and half the time i don't blame you guys because for me personally i hate for someone to assume something about me that isn't true and now that that's that's a uphill battle because in the end everyone's gonna assume things that are opposite to yours because like they're not you think about it they're not living in your body so how how could they understand things like you it's impossible no one truly understands you keep that in mind so it is like i i am guilty of this where like i over explain myself half the time because i want people to know what i'm thinking but in, in the end like <laughs> when you say a word it, it just brings up someone's past experiences tied to that word which you know some things are similar um, you and i probably both when we hear giraffe we just think of the textbooks and maybe you saw it in a zoo but if someone hears giraffe and oh, they were their past experience is fucked up and they're gonna have a different understanding of that word than you and that's like a silly silly analogy but if we extrapolate like I'm, I'm saying like think about love think about anger think about fear think about abuse like these are words that people are gonna have uh, their own definitions to even though there is like a universal one their experiences come into play so anyways, there you go. Congrats. You just heard me un, uh, discover an insecurity that people think I'm a schmo with uh, people the first time I meet them. But believe it or not, I don't get deep with everyone right away when I meet them. Next, let's move on to expectations and how they tie into some other hidden issues. So like power, expectations that aren't met um, on sharing control. That's where power expectations come in. Uh, for caring that's expectations based on love recognition that's an expectation based on the response to who you are and what you do commitment this is an expectation based on bonding and safety from abandonment again that's some deep deep shit is abandonment issues and that will affect how someone commits right their commitment to another person for integrity that is actually just an expectation based on trust and respect and apparently hidden issues cannot get triggered unless expectations are violated that is so good to remember people i'll say that again your hidden issues this isn't just in marriage okay these deep issues cannot be triggered unless expectations are violated so if you have an expectation that when you get the promotion your partner or friend or family member pats you on the back gives you a high five says congrats then if someone doesn't do that, that's when a hidden issue is triggered. Otherwise, that it doesn't even become an issue. Isn't that interesting? Now, after I just explained all those expectations, what they're based on, this is interesting. Apparently, the root of all those expectations is acceptance. You must be accepted and accept someone else, okay, for the relationship to be synchronized and just flow. Now, this book is just, here we go again, okay? Apparently, to get to know your expectations, the authors recommend a strategy. So, again, here we go, rating things. So, you got to rate from 1 to 10. 1 is being not a reasonable expectation. 10 is an extremely reasonable expectation. Or, if this is better, just listen to what your initial gut feeling is towards these topics, okay? Longevity of the relationship. Think of your expectation there. I'll give you a second here. Or just your gut feeling around longevity and relationships. Sexual fidelity. 
do you have a specific so like cheating and stuff do you have a specific expectation love just love in general in a relationship what do you expect what is your love language how do you want to be loved how do you want to love what do you should love be there constantly should it come in and out what's your expectation for the amount of love and what that looks like what even is your definition of love sex life what is your expectation on sex life in a relationship romance how schmaltzy do you want all the date nights to be what do you want to say to each other you know what how romantic do you want things to be what's your expectation on children what about children from previous marriages do you have an expectation there for some people there literally is no expectation because they will not marry someone who has children from pre- previous marriage then some people have expectations like that'd be awesome and i would love to i would want to adopt the kid one day or something if, if the other parent is in the picture i don't know there's like so many there's a huge scale there let's move on here career what's your expectation on career for your partner some people want someone very career driven right that says a lot about a person uh, and then some people actually if someone's really career driven that's they uh do not expect that at all like they don't want that okay they expect someone to be less in their career and more in the home but you know what i mean like for one person it's a turn off for one person it's a turn on your income and the provision of income okay what kind of money do you expect for your partner to make and for you to make your emotional codependency what do you expect there that's a good one basic approaches to life do you have a morning routine do you what's your hygiene like uh do you stay in touch with friends like these are basic approaches to life do you get a car wash done do you never wash the car like there's two types of people out there these are basic approaches to life and that affects their expectations there oh here's one what's your expectation around loyalty that one that can get schmutzy um wow well i'll tell you off the top of my head like that that is one of the top things they're saying those who are loyal to you keep them close it's so true like loyalty is hard to find and i'm telling you that i expect i don't know is it entitled to say you expect loyalty like i personally i want someone to be loyal to me if they're married to me uh, am i mashuga am i yutsi you tell me I'm going to buzz through the rest here, but you can just pause this podcast if you want to think about it more. Communication about problems. What are your expectations there? Power and control expectations. Household tasks. Religiousness. Time together. Okay. How much time do you need with a partner? I like like that one a lot. I need my own time often. Um, But then also on a side note, I do like just hanging with someone, not talking all the time. That's the thing. If I if I get a, a wife one day, I need to be able to sit there in silence, but be in the same room. That is how I like to vibe with people. Uh, anyways, sharing feelings, friendship with your partner. That's interesting. That is it. Not a lot of people talk about that. Some people are way, way too lovey-dovey all the time. And there's never that separation. Of, okay, let's just be friends for a second. Like, let's go to the arcade and just be friends. We don't have to... I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. Friendship with your partner. That's a good one. The little things in life. What are your expectations there? That's I like these. I forgot about these. These are good thought provokers. Forgiveness. 
that's huge that is holy fuck i need i expect i expect a lot of forgiveness just that's a reflection though i on a side note that a lot of this is a reflection of you eh? when you say i expect this it actually says a lot about yourself fun fact so like like for example let's get back up to the top here loyalty okay that like the fact that i want someone loyal it mean it, it's a reflection it shows that i want to be loyal to someone that's what i want to be to somebody who i like so it's funny like forgiveness you know uh, i personally have a very easy time forgiving because i was talking to scott way back go look again listen to one of our old talks there on his podcast i don't blame anyone for anything because they're just projecting what they had learned from their caregivers so you could in essence blame whoever taught them and not just a person but the environment they grew up in and then that caregiver's environment you can't blame anyone for anything because you can just go back to the first ever human being had taught us how we act now so uh that that's what i mean like because that's how i see it i expect somebody else to see it my way as well um it doesn't that make sense like don't you just want to marry someone that kind of sees eye to eye with you that this makes sense right we, who would get married knowing they're going to argue about everything with somebody unless it's like an arranged marriage and you just, you don't really care. Now to wrap up here, uh, I'm going to finish with this. Whatever your initial thoughts were to those, all those expectations, study how your hidden issues cause these thoughts. So, so whatever you might have to go back and listen to this part again, but whatever you were feeling there now study, why is it you feel that way? What happened in your life? To make you feel that way i'm i'm curious you should be curious and that will help you avoid arguments down the road okay they also recommend putting an a the letter a beside expectations that are crucial to the success in your marriage put a b next to the ones that are important but you can negotiate and c next to the expectations that would be nice but are not necessary hence like for me the income thing doesn't matter um that'd be a c the romance a c doesn't matter to me just to, there you go you get a little bit of myself there i'm curious for you what 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 doesn't matter to you and ask yourself here how many of your expectations really deserve an a and remember that is things that are crucial to the success of your marriage so what really deserves that think about that hard it also says here, don't discuss all your expectations at once with a person. That's overwhelming. Yeah, actually, just going through that right now with you was overwhelming, not going to lie. Like, I already forget half of those. When discussing these, use a vezmer. Use the speaker-listener technique. God, they love all these techniques. Which, You know what? They probably work, but uh, it just seems like a lot of work <laughs> to just go through all these techniques. Chapter 9. Oh, by the way. I'm cutting this. We're at 30 minute mark. I will do chapter nine next week for y'all. And we're going to finish the book next week. Take care. This is already making me a little more comfortable with marriage. As I mentioned in the intro, I, uh, I'm petrified to get married people. So this is helping. And, uh, anyways, thanks for listening. Uh, thank you. Hope you enjoyed it. Rate five stars if you listen on Apple Podcasts. 
See you next week. Shabbat Shalom. Good Shabbos. All my Yahudim.